We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Tired. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, we just need to start, like, a little bingo card every single Friday night now for, like, the buzzwords we say. Right. And, like, the send- the free space needs to be me saying I'm tired. <laughs> but anyways, like, I'm doing good. Um getting ready to it's just been super busy since we got back um the day we left we had we're driving up to anchorage that was on mother's day which also happened to be my wife's birthday so we're like okay we'll do a birthday party for you on june 5th so we're trying to do everything to get that all together and just you know still coming back from you know being away for so long constantly running to the grocery store because we're out of so many different things and so it's been super busy super hectic um my uh, my daughter still wears quick funny story my daughter still wears pull-ups to bed and so we were out of that so we went to the store and got them and i grabbed ones that said 43 to 65 little did i realize they said kilograms and not pounds so they were like <laughs> oh, no. 90 to 106 pounds and my <laughs> daughter is like just not even 60 pounds she's like 55 pounds these things were about one third of the size of her body um but she wore them and then the next day i went and got some but uh just a funny story just with how tired i've been um but it's been good went and saw a movie last night when i saw the new spider-man animated movie i took the family out and you know just starting to get back into the swing swing of things still yeah last week was kind of weird for me um not really last minute notice, but it, more of a change of plans. Um, ended up having to drive to Spokane to drop my son Jace off at his uh, grandparents' house. Uh, he hasn't seen those guys in a couple of years. Went to see his dad too. Um, so that was like the last minute impromptu deal. So it, I felt bad. I, I, I missed being on the, on the show with you. But you know what? I had a damn good time. Spokane's a really cool town. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's very beautiful up there. And quite honestly, if there was any place that I would ever live in Wyoming, or like that's not in Wyoming, it would be in Spokane. Um, just because there's so much stuff to do there, you know, and it, it is a very laid back environment. We had a lot of fun. Uh, my wife, Samantha and I celebrated our first wedding anniversary, went out to a, a good dinner. It's just been, it's been a, a, a hectic last couple of weeks and whatnot. So I'm glad to be back with you, man. Um, 
Obviously, OTAs are going on with the Broncos. Uh, some news coming out, you know, obviously with uh, the way that Russell Wilson's looking. Sounds like Sean Payton's pretty impressed with the way he's looking right now. Um, you, you've got the offensive line that looks to be shaping up. Ben Powers spoke the other day. Uh, the defense seems to be playing pretty well, especially in third down situations. So it, it's good to be back here with you. It's good to be talking football again. So I'm, I'm excited for tonight. Uh, guys, before we get into everything first tonight, though, we do have a couple of super chats that came in before we went live. Troy, our boy, Troy, uh, $20 super chat here saying, hey, guys, cannot join live tonight, but wanted to say how I loved Vaughn using we – for the Broncos last night because he played here 11 years and Peyton used we for the Broncos, even though he played 14 years in Indianapolis. This was actually one of the coolest clips that I saw, Eric. I'm not sure if you saw it from Mike Kliss. He did a, a just a quick little private interview with Von Miller where, you know, he asked what Von thought of this Broncos team going into 2023. And one of the first things he said was, well, we have the, the best, cornerback in the NFL we have one of the top safeties in Justin Simmons we have Russell Wilson that you know our defense is looking really good again just over and over and over again I'm paraphrasing here but did you get a chance to see that and what was your immediate takeaway I didn't get a chance to see it but I did see somebody comment on it I saw the comment that Vaughn was using we when referring to the Broncos which is awesome um it just shows that how much he still loves the team and loves the city even though he's not Mm -hmm. with Denver anymore um, and I mean, it's well known that his departure wasn't exactly, you know, mutual, um, wasn't, uh, yeah, mutually decided there, but, uh, it is what it is. And I'm glad he still refers to it. I mean, you see a lot of these guys who they get traded when they didn't want to leave and they end up hating the team. Like we see that a lot. Yeah. Um, so, so it's good. Maybe one day we can, you know, bring him back on a, deal and let him close out his career and here in Denver or something, but it's good that he still has love for the team and love for the city. Yeah, absolutely. And that number 58 is one that we really need to keep our eyes on in in terms of being retired. He's the all-time sack leader, a Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP while we're at it. Um, And he just continues to have such a huge impact, not only with the team, even though he's not with us now, but in the community as well. Vaughn's vision, his, uh, his, uh, child spec glasses uh foundation that he has helping um children in need to get the glasses and stuff that they, they need that they need to have um moving forward and stuff like he's he's such a big figure in this community and unlike carmelo anthony who it, I, I gotta give a shout out to my nuggets here uh, unlike carmelo anthony who left so unceremoniously and forced his way out of town von miller didn't want to leave he wanted to stay in denver forever and you can see just by by his words and just by his actions, uh, how much he loves the Denver community, how much he loves the Denver Broncos. So that was really fun to see. Uh, David McIlrath, a Papa Bear, jumping in here with the $5 Super Chat. Good evening, Broncos country. Lance, Eric, Dylan, and Deacon Scott. Scott's not with us tonight. Guessing some family stuff. Didn't hear from him today. But uh, good luck to Scott and his, and his boys uh, on their baseball trip this weekend. Uh, hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag Buckham three times. Uh, that's with a B, not an F, YouTube go screw yourself uh denver broncos for life as well uh good to see you dave good to see everybody in the chat we got keith in the house malcolm brown jumping in from homer alaska jason o'neill michael ronquillo doing his typical thing over here saying uh good evening lance and eric on the dove valley deep divers go broncos and buck them uh ernie mays as well hello lance and the and lance and eric and scott and go broncos country uh the nfl boy that's a new name for me uh carol allen 
Carol, Carol Allen. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, Mike S everybody joining in the chat. Obviously we got Dylan behind the scenes, uh, just kind of helping moderate and whatnot. Good evening, everybody. And thank you all for joining us on a wonderful Friday evening for Dove Valley deep divers today, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to run through the Denver Broncos roster as it's currently constructed. And we're going to kind of decipher what position groups have improved from 2022 and what position groups are going to like suffer a little bit of a setback moving forward this season. And obviously we're going to go in position order uh, based on pretty much everybody's aspect. And we're going to start obviously with the quarterback position, you know, Russell well, Wilson. This, why don't we, there, why don't we switch it up? Cause Keith Bergman, um, Bergman comes in here with this question. He says, evening gentlemen, do you think either Jocks Patrick, Jockeys Patrick, sorry, I don't know. It, but that's Jock, it, I think it's, it's Jock. Jock. Yep. Um, or Tarek McAllister come back, and what are your thoughts on Tommy Hudson? Well, we'll come back to Tommy Hudson when we get to the tight ends a little bit, but just my quick thought is with his injury history, his suspension that he's had, he just seems to be additional competition at the bottom of the depth chart right now. Mm -hmm. um, maybe somebody that they look to keep around on the practice squad and everything. But as for the running back, so I'm doing this series, Lance, and I don't know if you know it, and I mentioned it last week. It's going down, breaking down each position, and the players at each position and the percentage they are, where they the range they fall in with making the roster. There's three mm -hmm. tiers. There's tier one, which is um, I can actually pull it up real quick and show you guys. Just give me one second here. Um, I meant to do this already, but I totally forgot because I am tired. Hey, it's but it's okay. Anyways, doing so. the, doing like planning the pod on the podcast is something that we do all the time. Like we don't actually like plan stuff out. We don't have a rundown. We just kind of wing it for everybody. So it, planning the pod on the pod is actually something we do quite often. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Anyways, go ahead. So this is for the, the running backs here. The quarterbacks one is up as well. Um, so tier one is you have a 70 to 100% chance of making it. These are the guys that are pretty much like, oh, they're set unless something bad happens off the field, unless a great mm -hmm. trade offer comes in for them, um, things like things like that. The guys that you look at the ro the roster right now and you say, yeah, they're going to be on the roster. Um, tier two, there's kind of is that 41 to 69% chance. Some of them may fall on that fifty-plus percent chance. Some of them may not, but they could have a multiple. They can have a couple things going against them. They could, you know, have a bad injury history that they want to see if they can recover from. Which, you know, KJ Hamler um, talking about there. They could be holdovers from the old coaching staff going back mm -hmm. to receiver Montreal Washington, or they could have a combination of issues there. 
Um, so it's just, you know, all that goes into it. That's why they're not in that tier one, but they still have somewhat of a decent shot. So they're not the four, the bottom and then zero to 40% chance of making it. These are the training camp bodies. Now, what was funny was yesterday after I got done writing this, literally I messaged Chad. I was like, Hey, the articles in, um, is in the publishing client waiting for you to waiting for you to grab. I sat down out in the living room i opened up twitter and then i saw patrick and McAllister were released so i had to go back in and i had to um make a quick note on that um oh but it looks like they got taken out of the final cut here um, but i basically what i was saying is patrick and McAllister, uh McAllister especially he was the 90th guy on the roster he was cut mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago only to be brought back when they had it so he's that guy that was just right there so I'm not sure if he is possible to come back. Maybe if injuries happen, knock on wood, or something like that. Um, Patrick at least seemed to be the 89th guy. So if they bring somebody back, it could be Patrick more likely. Of course, it's just from the outside. We don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. Right. Maybe there's a quick flip there that McAllister did something to put himself above Patrick. There's always the possibility, and especially at running back, I don't think the Broncos are done in looking at improving the room. So getting mm-hmm. to the topic tonight, Lance, do you think running back is going to be a position that is improved this season or worse this season? It's worse, quite honestly. I, I, I think it is worse based on just the, the the fact that Javante Williams, we don't know his his status moving in. Obviously, he played out in OTAs. And I talked with Thomas Hall on this on, I believe it was Wednesday night, saying, you know, just because he's out there running routes and, and participating in OTAs doesn't mean he's actually, like, ready to come back and, and fully compete for a position on this roster. Obviously, he's going to be a guy. They're, they're going to do whatever they have to, whether it's PUP, um, put him on an IR or to, with a designation to return later in the year. Javante Williams' status is completely unknown. And while you go out and you get Samaje Pirine to, to join the fold, after that, you've got Tyler Beatty, who has very limited experience. Demaria Crockett has been with the Broncos for a handful of seasons, but he's only got like a handful of carries as well. Tony Jones Jr. I think has like forty total carries in his entire career. And then so, as a, like at, on the roster right now, you got Jaleel McLaughlin, who is a rookie out of Youngstown State. And while he was the all-time leader in rushing yards in NCAA football history, you don't know what he is at the NFL level. So until we know with what happens with Javante Williams, or if they go out and get another player, a, a guy, maybe they go out and sign a Kareem Hunt. Maybe they do get a Dalvin Cooker, whoever is available out on the free agent market. This running back room, even without Melvin Gordon and the fumble issues, is definitely a step back, and especially without Latavius Murray. It's a step back from what we saw last year. So it's funny you mentioned that because I I somewhat agree with you, but I'm actually I'm going to also disagree with you. The depth is very concerning. So Javante Williams definitely it's a bad it's a bad sign there. Tony Jones Jr. has 77 total touches on offense mm-hmm. in his career. Then you have Tyler Beatty, Jaleel McLaughlin, and Crockett, who have a combined five total touches in the NFL on offense. Yep. Beatty has two, Crockett has three, which I completely forgot about. I flashed zero because I forgot that he actually saw a couple got a couple carries back in 2021. But running back is such a position that is so reliant on others. Mm-hmm. I think that we will actually see improvement from the running backs this year, but not because of the room exactly. That's a good point. I know because you're going. Of the this team, is a good point. 
because of the scheme and the offensive line, I think we're going to see a little bit better. And it is very promising to me. Still, I'll believe he's ready by the regular season, by the start of the regular season when it happens. I still think he's going to miss a few weeks. Um, but I mean, I'm looking at now before I was always thought it was going to be about half a season. Now I'm thinking like, okay, maybe like three or four weeks he, he'll be out. Cause it's so promising. He's already doing individual drills. And I saw a clip of it on a couple clips of him doing them. He looks clean with his drills. Like he's not going full speed with him, but it doesn't seem like the knee is bothering him with the ACL, the LCL and the PCL. I believe that's all the t- damage that he had done. Yep. yep. Um, the knee. So that is promising to me. And then of course, as you said, losing Melvin Gordon and his fumbles, like that should help the guys that they have, at least with um, P. Ryan and Williams, they, there is some, you know, proven ability to hold onto the ball there. Yep. Um, so I think we'll see some improvement because of other positions, not necessarily because of them. Yep. Which, going with the flow of this, that brings us to the offensive line, like the position that they position grouping. They have done a lot to improve their starters, but I still have a lot of questions about their depth. Yeah. I want to start right off at the at the pivot point because we we brought in you know Alex Forsyth, the six round draft pick coming out of Oregon, uh, a guy that I, I liked a lot. I think he plays with good power. He can um, he can move a little bit as well. Very heady player, and I know for a fact there's guys like uh, Jeff Schwartz, uh, Emery Hunt, um, and I, I believe it was uh, Damian Parsons, and then um, many Duke Manyweather. They were all very high on Alex Forsyth coming out of the uh, coming out in the draft, and they all said like he should have been center one. He's a, a very competent player, very heady player, very smart player. Uh, but with Lloyd Cushenberry, you know, you, you, you I, I think the Broncos still need to address the center position because Cushenberry has been an abject disaster. You have Luke Wattenberg who played poorly last season, still has a long way to develop. And then you have Forsyth, who's a rookie, and you don't know exactly what you're going to get there. I think that you need to bring in another guy. Chase really is a guy that I really had my eyes on before. Ben Jones as well is another player that I I had my eyes on for the Broncos to bring in. Um, The entry of the offensive line, specifically at at the center position, is a very big question mark. But Quinn Miners, man, like I, I know for a fact, Ben Powers was speaking about Quinn Miners the other day saying, you know, he's got a lot of power, a um, lot is very high potential. Ben Powers, we know, is one of the best run blocking guards in the NFL. So if you can figure out a way to have those two guys be able to back up Lloyd Cushenberry or whoever it is that plays the center position, I think the interior of this offensive line looks a lot better than what it did in the last four years, let alone just last season in 2022, last four years combined, this interior offensive line looks way better than it has. Yeah. Um, talking about Alex Forsyth, that was one thing during the draft that you and Nick kept pushing back on me on is I was talking about, there's a lot of people that are super high on Alex mm-hmm. Forsyth. Mm-hmm. There was, I mean, I, a lot of people that I talked with, they're talking about him in third round, but he had a lingering injury throughout the draft process, which saw him fall. And even afterwards, there's still people like, if it wasn't for that injury, he would have gone in the top 100, at least top 125, 150. But, so a lot of people felt he would have gone a lot higher because he's mm-hmm. he's smart. He's athletic enough. He's not the most athletic guy. He's strong enough. He's not the strongest guy. He's got some core strength issues there. But he's just a versatile guy that can do any anything you want in any scheme. He can play center. He has some versatility to move over to guard if need be. Mm-hmm. Bright, can see blitzes. Sees the one of the Oregon coaches, I think it was their offensive line coach, was quoted as making a comment saying 
he sees things on the field like he's watching from above. Yep. Yep. Um, he just sees it at a, he just sees it differently. Yep. So I'm excited for him. Now the question is, can he come in and take the starting job this year? That depends. I know that there is a lot of hope in the building that they that he can because they are I mean, everybody points to that comment that Lloyd from John Payton, Lloyd Cushenberry is our starting center. But when he made that comment, it wasn't very reassuring. It was like he's our starting center because there's no one else kind of thing. But yeah, it's like so, he's our starting. He, they said he said he's our starting center right now. Yeah, and that was in like so, March. So, so much more to talk about with Mike McGlinchey coming in, Ben Powers. So, offensive line improved or declined? Absolutely improved. I I, I think that. Um, not only did you go out and spend big money on, on Mike McGlinchey, and I know that you have your issues with him in pass protection, but this dude knows how to go out there and just be an absolute road grader, especially an outside zone, which is what we, we could see a lot of with Sean Payton. Now, he, he mostly focuses on inside zone and power stuff, but he's super creative, like very, very creative with what he likes to do in his running game. And I think with McGlinchey, you have that guy that can just go a six foot nine is just an absolute mauler at the point of attack in the running game. And then you bring in, you bring in Ben powers. You get, you're going to get Garrett Bowles back fully healthy after the broken fibula he suffered in week four. And then Quinn Miners is looking to be a, a quality play, like a very high quality starter on the offensive line, but that's not the only moves that the Broncos made. They, they go out, they get Forsyth. They, they go and get Kyle Fuller, who was a, a starting center for the Seattle Seahawks under Russell Wilson. So you've built up that depth just a little bit. Why I missed him there for a minute is beyond me. I, I do apologize for that. But you also go and get a guy like Cam Fleming. And Cam Fleming was arguably the best right tackle the Broncos have had since Orlando Franklin. He played very well on the left side last year as well in the absence of Garrett Bowles. So you've got a quality swing tackle, a guy that you can rely on that's not Calvin Anderson. It's not Menelik Watson. It's not uh, Donald Stevenson. Like you have a guy that you can really rely on. You know that he fits the scheme. You know what he's capable of up front as a, a, a guy that can play both sides of the offensive line. So, yes, I do firmly believe this might be the best offensive line that the Broncos have had in the last five seasons, and they still have room to improve, too. You can go and get Dalton Reisner back if you wanted to. You, like, if he wants to come back, you can get him on a cheaper deal. The The compensatory formula is all over with after May 1st. So get him back on a one-year, $2 million deal, just throw him back into the fold. If you do that, you have an offensive line that now has talent across the front and a lot of depth behind it. And I think that that's a move that the Broncos need to make. Gary Palmer comes with the 1999 donation. Um, welcome back, Lance and Eric. Miss you guys. Go Broncos. Hashtag Buckham. Yeah, we. I definitely missed you too. I mean, I like Scott and all, but I mean, last week we ended up having our head shapes made fun of. So that was kind of... Uh, <laughs> you know a <laughs> little bit so of a sour funny. thing but it, it's, <laughs> it's 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 whatever no scott and i had a good time um chad and i had a good time i got to see chad when i was on vacation he got to meet my family and everything um which was awesome um i absolutely love those guys uh but uh, yeah it's good to be back with you i mean you talked about it a little bit beforehand it's it's i enjoy doing shows with other people lance but there's just something different about it when I can I can sit down, do a show with you, and know I know I can just constantly pick at you, um, and just you know I actually I actually that, mentioned that my fun. So I actually <laughs> mentioned that on on the show with Thomas on Wednesday. I was like, you know, it. it so I did the show with Carl on Tuesday. I did the show with uh, with uh, Tom on Wednesday. I'm like, you know, 
it's so much fun to be able to come and like change up the dialogue, change up the conversation a little bit, because every now and again, you and I get kind of in the same rut, Nick and Carl get in the same rut, Tom and Luke get in the same rut, like change up the conversation and have some fun. But mostly I'm tired of you digging at me all the goddamn time. Like seriously, calm down just a little bit. Like (laughs) for real though, it's, it's good to be back in our natural time slot. And it like, this is a good show so far. And I'm I'm excited to be back with you, man. And GLP, yeah. thank you, dude. Like Gary, yeah. thank for, you, thank you like, so much. For thank me. you so much for like not to minimize your your support here, not to minimize anybody else's support, but like GLP jumping in here with the twenty dollars super, saying how much he missed us, like that that means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to Eric. So thank you, GLP. Yeah. We appreciate that, man. Anyways, going back to the offensive line, I'm with you. I think it's improved, mm-hmm. and neither of us touched on a, the biggest reason why I think it's improved. You can add whatever offensive lineman you want to the starting group. It doesn't matter if your offensive line coach is complete crap. Butch Berry was terrible. I think Zach Streif, even though he's not very proven, is an upgrade over Butch Berry. I've heard a lot about Butch Berry, a lot about his style and everything, and from the very first comment to to even comments that came out well after he was fired, it's just like, yeah, I'm done with him. Um, When I was actually on vacation... um, got to talk with a defensive line coach, a couple guys who've put a couple defensive line coaches who've put NFL, who've put out prospects that have been drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of them didn't knew of Butch Berry and some of the things he had to say were just uh, mind, just mind blowing a little bit. Um, but anyways, that's a big reason why, but of course, I mean, you add Ben powers, you add Mike McGlinchey. Mm-hmm. My only thing is here. And this is going to come in with Cam Fleming being back is huge. Before Cam Fleming, Fleming, any injury on this offensive line would just completely derail it. The depth of this offensive line is absolute garbage. Um, Cam yep. Fleming helps it a little bit. Um, so it's just a... <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I saw the comment you just saw, too. It's, I saw it's, the it's, Keith jump in. <laughs> it's a value. It's a valuable addition to add Cam Fleming, and one that everybody at MHH basically pounded for. Cam Fleming was one of the top two offensive linemen last year, mm-hmm. and ended up being so underrated because everybody's like, "Oh yeah, he's not great." Like whatever. I mean, I know I was. I know you were. Nick was. Like none of us were expecting him to be, but he came in and was he great? No, but he was good enough, and he was reliable. So I think the offensive line is going to be a position that is um, that is going to show improvement. Now, uh, keep Robin coming. You guys are like Skip and Stephen A. I mean, Skip and Shannon. Uh, never mind. Yeah, I mean, you have Skip in my seat here, and then it doesn't matter who you want to put opposite me. I know there for a while when I used to watch Skip Bayless years ago, like 10-plus years ago. didn't matter who it was. Like It just, it just didn't matter, and that's kind of how it is. Um, we'll put it um, – we'll, we'll make you Stephen A., and Nick can be Shannon. Just uh, so long as I, so. so long as I'm not Nick wrong. Like so long as I'm not Nick wrong, we're we're good with this. I, I don't I don't get that reference. Uh, Nick Wright from uh, the, the the Fox show. I, Never heard of him. More, uh, good. Keep it that way because his takes are. At, you think my takes are bad? Nick Wright is the worst take artist that you've ever seen. Like he's worse than Skip and Stephen A. and Call of Cowherd. All of them combined had a baby, and that's Nick Wright. Like he's awful. <laughs> uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here. A good evening, Lance and Eric. Love the interview with Manning at the Nuggets game. Last when he said, "Just wish the Chiefs would get out of the division." Hashtag Buckham with a B. 
uh, hashtag MHH for life, hashtag go nuggets. Yes. Now, Eric, you and I've had this conversation before. I, I want to deviate a little bit from our main topic here. Uh, I, I think you and I've talked about a little bit before. You're not a huge basketball fan, but you do kind of pay attention to the nuggets a little bit. Yes. So uh, have you watched any of the finals yet? So no, because last night was the first game. I was at the movie. Like by the time when the movie right. was starting, the game started. Like tip off was just right at that same time. But first thing I did after the game was I, or after the movie was I pulled up Twitter and saw who won. Super happy the Nuggets won. Yeah. When I was down in Boulder, um, at the hotel I was staying at, I went to the bar that was there and was watching one of the games, and there was a bunch of Laker fans there. Yeah, I bet. And like. Every single time anything happened to LeBron, why isn't that? Why aren't they blowing the whistle? Blah blah blah. That should be a foul. Like it was super annoying. Mm-hmm. But it, what was great was that there was a couple other guys that were at the bar, and as soon as the final buzzer happened and the, the Lakers lost, it was one of the games where the Lakers had a huge lead and the Nuggets came back and won. Yeah, probably game three. I can't remember. I, I think it was game three. Yeah. Um, they just the two guys that were sitting there just turned and just started laughing at them, which was great. Uh, I don't have the cojones to do stuff like that in public, so I didn't, but it was great to see other people do it. <laughs> um, but no, I do pay I do pay a little bit of attention. I do pay a little bit of attention to the jazz as well. Um, just because I've seen the jazz play. I've been to their games, uh, multiple games of theirs. I've never been to a Nuggets game when we we're down on vacation. I was trying to look at seeing going to Trying to go to a, a one of the playoff games, but um, just didn't line up with when they were away and everything, and also um, cost. Yeah, um, and then the Ro- same thing with the Rockies. I went to if I paid any attention to baseball, it's pretty much the Rockies. But anyways, going back on topic here, go Nuggies. By the way, I do hope they win. Um, it just would suck that the Avalanche won last year, the Nuggies won this year, and then we have the Rockies and the Broncos. Well, Sad face. You know what? And maybe the Broncos can actually get back at least into Super Bowl conversation, yeah, like at least playoff contention this season. That would that would be nice. Well, for them to do that, they got to see improvement from a very specific position. They got to see improvement from the quarterback position, right? I mean, yeah. you can't have what you had last year. For all the blame that's on Nick Hack, on Nate Hack, Nathaniel Hackett, um, almost as much blame goes on Russell Wilson. Like mm-hmm. it's very well documented how the offense was designed by Hackett and Wilson to try and sit there and mesh what Wilson wanted to do with what Hackett wanted. Hackett did in offense, and it didn't work out. Wilson put on a bunch of weight to try to be more of a pocket passer, and it didn't work out. Miss reads here and there, left and right. Mm-hmm. You can blame your you can blame your scheme, the play call all you want, but that falls on the the quarterback who's not making the right read pre snap. Got to execute. So quarterback position, Russell Wilson, he's dropped weight. It's a scheme that's going back to being run heavy. Russell Wilson's been very clearly clearly humbled, which I think was the biggest thing. He needed to be humbled yep. a little bit and um, have a coach to him that will say no and not just bend over backwards for him. Um, specifically, Russell Wilson and quarterback position in general, though, is it improved or did they decline? So I actually think that they they did improve, and I think that a big part of it goes to 
not only the coaching staff, not only the scheme that they're going to run, but also the offensive line in front of Russell Wilson. They made those improvements on the offensive line, which makes it a lot easier. And Sean Payton kind of talked about it a little bit when he was uh, he was asked a question the other day about Ben Powers saying, you know, this is everything you look for in a guard. He can drop anchor. He's powerful in the running game, stuff like that. Uh, and Sean Payton has made it very clear over the course of his career that Interior offensive line, pass protection specifically, especially with Drew Brees, who was a, a shorter quarterback as well, means a lot. Like you have to shore up the interior of the offensive line and not let your quarterback be moved off of his spot. So now you got better interior pass protection, hopefully, and hopefully we upgrade the center position. But with powers and minors, you can kind of work your way into that conversation. You're going to focus on running the football and then you're going to get Russell Wilson back to what he's supposed to be doing. Cause like you said, I've said it multiple different times over the, the past couple of shows I've been on Russell Wilson's been humbled. This dude's embarrassed. Like after what happened this last season, you can tell he is embarrassed after what went on in 2022. And I think that this year you're going to see a rejuvenated revitalized Russell Wilson, a guy that is going to get back to playing the brand of football that he is best at where he, steps back in the pocket, kind of scans, takes off, scrambles around, extends the play, throws the ball down the field. You're going to work a lot with bootleg stuff, in, uh, like bootleg passing plays, waggle passing plays, uh, throwback passing plays. So this is the – to me, you've upgraded not only Russell Wilson by the coaching staff but the offensive line. Then you've upgraded the quarterback position by getting – I'm not trying to be mean here, but – Brett Rippon is not a, a quality backup quarterback in the NFL. Not to say that Jarrett Stidham is, but I think Jarrett Stidham has higher upside. Brett Rippon is more of the cerebral type. He likes to deliver the football on time. Jarrett Stidham at least has talent. He has arm talent. He has a talent and athleticism with his legs. And you put him in the right system with a guy like Sean Payton who can maximize that talent. I do think this quarterback room is very drastically improved from what it has been over the past couple of seasons. Do we see Stidham start a game this year? Depends on what Russell Wilson does, quite honestly. I, I, um, I, I, yes or no? Do we see Stidham start a game this year? Yes. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. And the simple fact is, I'm not sure Russell Wilson's body can hold up to a full slate of games. Yep. yep I think exactly. something will happen that'll force, that'll force him to miss at least one game. Um, and if he, do, if he plays terribly, then we can see a lot more out of Stidham. But I do think at least one game, Stidham starts. Yeah. But... Keith coming in says he starts two games this year. Hey, I mean, like, could very be that could be a safe bet. Um, but Keith also came in, and this is the big reason why I'm going to say that it is improved. And you touch on it a little bit. Sidham is the improvement. Wilson is to be determined. I am 100% there with you. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that everything that's going on with Wilson being humbled, losing the weight, the scheme, all can help him improve. I will believe it when I see it with him. Yep. I will take Sidham over Brett Rippon, though. That is where the improvement is. I mean, I would take Stidham over the combination of Rippon and Josh Johnson. Yep. Like, we hounded last year about the backup quarterback position leading up to training camp. They didn't do enough to try to fix it. And it was just like, which one was less bad as to who was the backup? Um, so Stidham, for me, is where the improvement is. And you got to have that quality of backup because odds are your backup's going to at least start a game or two. Like, yep. that, that's just the way the NFL is now. You don't, it's very uncommon to have a quarterback start every single game in a season. I think last year there was like only 10 quarterbacks who've done it. And over the last like three years, it's been a total of like 27 quarterbacks who've done it. I can't remember exact numbers here. So uh, it just wasn't a lot. 
it was definitely around it was definitely around one third um over last season so that is one thing i do think um improving it is uh you know that well, backup and- quarterback i still would like to see an improvement in the third quarterback but that that is kind of like nitpicking a little bit Right. Well, and th- I guess the biggest thing here is you at least have a guy that brings you some high upside. And Josh Johnson, well, he was a- at least like a solidifying veteran presence, a guy that you could come in and kind of like just kind of write the ship and just manage the game. Jarrett Stidham did actually have a really good game last season on New Year's Day against the 49ers. Uh, 67.6 completion percentage, 365 yards, three touchdowns, did throw two interceptions, but had a a quarterback rating at 115.4. Like, you at least have a guy that has the ability to go out there and he can move. Like, Jarrett Stidham is a very good athlete. He can run with the football. So you bring in that extra aspect, very similarly to Russell Wilson, you know, Make sure that the play doesn't break down around him. And if it does, get him outside of the pocket. Let him run, like throw on the run. He can actually do some of the same things. Brett Rippon, all due respect to the guy, he's a coach. Like he's a coach on the field. He doesn't have the the athletic ability. He doesn't have the arm talent or even the accuracy, quite honestly, to, to be a quality backup player. So Stidham is the one guy that you really do improve this roster especially at the quarterback position. And then you'll, you'll get Jared Guarantano, who's going to get cut. And the other guy, I can't even remember his name to, to be quite honest, but um, yeah, I, I think this quarterback room is a lot better. I want to go to the weapons though, Eric. Real quick. Go ahead. Go before, ahead. before, before we get to that, we'll probably end up doing defense next week. Yeah. Um, just uh, to let you know, let everybody in the chat know, we'll probably do the defensive side next week. Um, going to the quarterbacks, obviously the meet and greet, you know, October 22nd, Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. How funny would it be if that's the game that Sidham starts? <laughs> can, can you not put this evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Like, please? Like, I, I, so I've, I've seen Russell Wilson one time in person, and it was his rookie season uh, that also happened to be coinciding with the first season the Broncos had Peyton Manning. Uh, my dad and I went to a uh, went to the preseason game. The Broncos actually played the Seattle Seahawks in the preseason. I believe it was week one uh, of that season, and we got to watch Peyton Manning for a series, and then whatever uh, Brock Osweiler played the majority of the the rest of the game. But we also got to watch Russell Wilson. And I told dad, I was like, this is my guy. This is the guy I wanted the Broncos to draft. Like I'm, I'm all the way in on Russell Wilson. And he went out there and he absolutely torched the Broncos defense, making all the great plays that you know that he's capable of extending the play with his legs, throwing the ball deep down the field. It was awesome. And we stayed the entire time because we don't get the opportunity to go to games like that. But we stayed. I'm like, this is the dude, like this is the guy that is going to tear apart the NFL for the next 10 to 15 seasons. Dad's like, I don't know, man. I, it's not, it's not going to be the thing. Yes, Dad, seriously, he's going to be the guy. Sure enough, he wins the Super Bowl. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I have not yet to see him play in person yet. So if we go to the Mile High Huddle meet and greet, which, by the way, I will be there. I will be in attendance at the Mile High Huddle meet and greet. This is the first time I've told anybody, by the way. I will be at the Mile High Huddle meet and greet on October 22nd. We're going to go to the game. And if Jared Stidham is the one that starts this game, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I want. I, I would laugh because really I got. I got to see Russell Wilson last year and against the yeah. 49ers. Yeah, But this year, what would, what would be extra funny to me is 
I'm going to be there. My plane ticket's are already purchased, but I'm bringing my brother with me. Um, so those of you, whoever's in the chat, if you're going, you guys get a chance to meet my brother, though he's nothing special whatsoever. <laughs> um, it's his birthday. And October 22nd is his birthday. He's turning 43 years old. So 12-year difference between him and I. And I just think it'd be hilarious. We're going there, and it's not Wilson. It's Jared Stidham. He won't care, but I would find it hilarious. Like you're coming in, and you're getting the you're you're getting the you know the backup quarterback for this game. Um, I mean, it's gonna be unless something happens with the Packers, it's gonna be backup quarterback versus backup quarterback, basically. Right. And yes, I'm calling Love a backup quarterback. Because, um, but everybody in the chat, if you guys are gonna be there, let us know. Um, so looking forward to it. I'm more excited for it this year than previous years, funnily enough. I, I am too, because I, I, I know that there's going to be a, a few people there. I don't know if they've announced it themselves, so I will let them do that. And I'm not going to you know point out any names and whatnot, but I, I obviously I'm going to be there. Eric, you're going to be there. Zach and Chad are going to be there. I, I, I think Mike Evans said he was going to be there too, but. Well, he lives um, next door to. I, I, he lives exactly. Denver, so. he, he lives right there. So, uh, Papa Mike Evans, he's gonna he's gonna be there for sure. From the sound of it, um, maybe you might get to see KB Kenny Booker. I know I know you're listening, sir. So it, let us know. Anyways, I'm excited to to come and meet everybody to to come and just have a good time. Go watch the Broncos win against the Packers. Um, gonna be a lot of fun. Let's get back to our conversation here, though. Uh, I want to grab this really fast. Uh, Michael, I'm not sure if you got some stars attached to this, but I want to shout you out just because you're always super, super cool and super supportive of the show, every single show. And also our, our good friend, Albert Knoppers, you're a big supporter of his show as well. So Michael, just want to give you a shout out really fast. Backup quarterback, uh, Broncos backup quarterback, Jarrett Stidham will start against the Kansas city chiefs. That's a recipe for disaster. Uh, absolute <laughs> recipe for, for, for disaster. No. Going back to the conversation and we'll definitely talk more about the meet and greet guys. Um, at the end of this a little bit yeah. um, if you guys let us know who's going to be there so many guys in the chat that i'm looking forward to meeting hopefully you guys yeah. are there hopefully you guys can make the trip it's always a fun time um but that going to weapons we talked about running backs we talked about offensive line well quarterbacks well the position that really affects both the tight ends and sean payton had a couple of interesting comments about greg dulcich this year Mm-hmm. Which really stand out because Greg Dulcich's name has been going floating around on trade rumors. And um, Keith Brogman comes in, Shockey and Jimmy Graham, Reggie Bush and Kamara. Sean Payton said they were all jokers that Dulcich could be. Thoughts? Um, not a typical joker when you really go about it. Not the, not the Bush and Kamara way, more of the Shockey Graham way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely possible. Um, I'm not 100% sure that it happens, though, um, for for multiple multiple reasons. Um, I like so, Dulcich. I like what he showed last year. Um, the trade rumors going around about his name have always been a little bit questionable to me. Um, one Part of me gets it, but more of me doesn't. So um, just uh, tight end position, Lance. Is it improved or is it declined? But before we get into that, I want to clarify some things really fast because Joker, um, the the Joker position, what does that all entail? Um, typically, what you're looking at is like an H back type of role, a guy that can line out 
not quite into the slot, but not attached to the line of scrimmage, a guy that you can kind of move around the formation. He's more of a, like, like you having a deck of cards, a joker, something that doesn't necessarily have a, a true attached value, but something that is very valuable if you have it in your hand. So Eric, I want you to explain a little bit more on your, that's at least the way that I've interpreted the jer- the Joker role from the way that it's been explained to me. What is your interpretation of the Joker and why is that a significant comment coming for Greg Dulcich and what this offense could be? So for me, with the way I've heard it described, obviously it's completely different than when you talk about a Joker on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I mean, not just sides of the ball, but just the interpretation of it is a little bit different. For me, the Joker is the guy, essentially. The the focus of the offense is the Joker. The one that you're going to scheme to get favorable matchups, the one you're going to mm-hmm. scheme to basically be the primary weapon in the offense. Um, and with Dulcich, with the type of tight end he is, with his lack of ability in line, it makes it a little bit harder to do that for me. Right. Um, it's still possible. Um it's just it's just harder because you know you can line them up in line and you can you know sneak sneak them across the back of the formation. You can get them up on a favorable different linebacker. Whereas if you play them as a big slot, you're going to be drawing a safety or a nickel pretty pretty frequently. Right. Um, so lack of that inline ability just kind of hurts your ability to get the favorable matchups against the linebackers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that to me is just kind of that is how I take a joker when right. talked about on the offensive side of the ball, anyways. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. And like you said, you know, putting him in line and having him go out there and be like the the front side blocking tight end at the point of attack where, you know, we're running to your ass cheek and trying to make you be the, say specifically outside zone. We're running outside zone. We're running to your inside shoulder and then create the cutting lane on the backside. Greg Dulcich isn't a guy that can actually hold up at the point of attack. He's more of a cut-down guy on the backside, a guy that's going to take the, the legs out of a defensive end or something like that. He's not a guy that you can really focus on being that true blocking tight end. While he has the effort, the technique's not there, and he gets beat a lot. But in, in terms of being that joker, that like that move-around chess piece kind of a type, a guy that you can, like you said, line up in the slot, you can line up in the backfield, you can line up as, a, as an attached wing, as an F move tight end that has a lot of high quality attributes to his, to his tape, to his game where he's a good route runner. He's got decent speed, decent size, a really good catch radius. You can kind of multiply his usage and his ability and what it brings to the offense. I think that that's where Sean Payton's coming from with this. And I do like the potential with Dulcich, but at the same time, like you said, I I think you're given a big tell for this year. You know, like going back to Albert Okuebin on this last season, every time Albert Okuebin was on the field, it was like a hundred percent. It was a pass. Mm-hmm. You knew that you knew that it was going to be a passing play. So with Dulcich and that Joker role, knowing that he can, you know, line up on the backside as as a blocker, does that give the does that give a defense a tell and? kind of give away what the Broncos are trying to do there? Or do you think that he has enough blocking ability on the front side that it can actually erase that tell and kind of put defenses in conflict? Um, I, I think – I don't think it's just with, with the other additions they made, having a guy who can be that inline guy in Chris Manhurts. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think he can do enough to try to hide it a little bit. Right. Um, but you can't, I, I agree you can't, you can't, you can't completely erase it. Mm-hmm. 
so going back on this um with the topic at hand if it improved or not um looking at the tight end room overall i'll just say what i am then i'll pass it off to you to me the tight end room is probably one of the more improved rooms on this roster i i agree I 100% agree. You bring in Adam Troutman, you bring in Chris Manhurst, both guys. So Manhurst is an, an extra offensive tackle. He's a guy that's going to yeah. go out there and just beat ass in the running game. But Adam Troutman is a dude that is a very good quality blocker, and he brings some athletic upside as a tight end and as a move tight end and go out and catch some passes. Uh, he hasn't got a whole lot of opportunity, but I think with Sean Payton and not having a guy that really stands out in the room – outside of Manhurts and Dulcich, and Dulcich used to have those questions about, Troutman is really the guy that is going to be like the big positive here for this Broncos roster because he has that blocking ability. He can go in and create you know, create separation as a, as a pass catcher, very physical at the catch point, very good hands. Um, he only has, I think, 66 total catches in his career for like 640 yards or something like that, but he has that ability to be a multiplying t- tight end, a guy that you can put out on the field and just rely on him to be that that starting tight end. And I think that he is the starting tight end. So, yes, I do think that um, this tight end room is drastically improved based on what we've seen over the last couple of seasons. And I really question the future of Albert Okawaben on this roster. Yeah, I mean, talking about this, I'll give a quick spoiler alert about it. Um, I think they'll carry three or four tight ends. I'm mm-hmm. That number is questionable because of Michael Burton. Yeah, um, just, keeping that keep, keeping that fullback there um, it is, you know, kind of messes with the numbers a little bit. Albert Okwebenom to me is in that tier two on my percentage groups of that 40 to 69% or the 41 to 69% mm-hmm. just because he is the guy from two staffs ago who has failed to catch on with multiple staffs. And last year, I mean, everybody was talking about everything. Yeah, he showed what he could do as a receiver, but we knew what he could do as a receiver. Yeah. He got benched and in the doghouse because he couldn't block. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a run-heavy team. And he brought in Adam Trotman, who can be a little bit more versatile and is a solid block, good blocker. You have Chris Manhurts, who's not the best receiver, but he's an excellent blocker. And you have mm-hmm. Greg Dulcich, who gives a little bit of – gives good effort, though there are plenty of issues. Um so it is very much improved to me over what they had last year. Um, Eric Tomlinson didn't stand out as a blocker. Eric Sobert struggled as a blocker. It was like the blocking from the tight end positions last year were just awful all the way around. Um, Tommy Hudson, my guest has asked a couple times about it. What do we know about Tommy Hudson? Tommy Hudson has been in the NFL for a few years now, and he has barely played. He's 26 years old. He's missed a lot of time because of injuries and got suspended for performance-enhancing substances. Um, so there's not a lot there. He's been with the Tennessee Titans the last three seasons, off and on, um, with injuries and everything like that. Maybe he can push for that fourth spot if they keep tight ends. Um, but part of me kind of gives the edge to Nate Adkins, the undrafted free agent they got in or they brought in out of South Carolina, because – Nate Adkins fits that mold of he can be a solid receiver, but he has all the traits there to be a good blocker. Um, so it all de- it really depends on that. Um, Keith Brugman comes in more valuable Fleming or Manhurts. I'm gonna go Manhurts because they did not have a top tier blocking tackle or tight end last year, 
and man hurts brings that and he can be used in so many ways an extension as an extension on the offensive line he can give out help to whatever tackle whichever side he's signed he's lined up on in the passing game before sneaking out and rubbing off and getting into his routes Fleming improves the depth the depth of it if Fleming was brought back as the starter Fleming would obviously be more valuable but it's a fact of one's a starter one's just a backup that that's the big difference for me here well and I'm going to push back just a hair because while while Fleming is not a starter, it, he he does provide a very very valuable role as that swing tackle, a guy that you can, like I said before, you can trust him to be that guy to come back on the field. That's a very valuable piece to have to the depth of your offensive line. But I'm I'm going to agree with you on Manhurst because, like you said, he's gonna he's gonna play a lot of snaps. This dude's going to be on the field a lot, whether they go 11 or 12 personnel. This dude's going to be on the field a lot. And I want to point something out here with Chris Manhurts. Um, we're, we're not only talking about a blocking tight end. This dude's a freaking legitimate red zone threat. Like He's got size. He's got good athleticism. He only has two touchdown catches in his career. Both of them are the first touchdown throw from the, the quarterback. That went, I guess the person that threw, threw the, uh, the ball to him. Uh, the first one was Trevor Lawrence. The second one was Christian McCaffrey. Like he only has those two catches, but this dude brings a big physical presence in the red zone. And the Broncos didn't have that last year. They didn't have a guy that can just go out and sit down, squat his ass in the box, and then be a physical presence in the red zone. Manhurts actually brings that. Like he's going to be a dude for this Broncos team this year. He may only get about 15 to 20 targets, 10 to 12 receptions, but you're going to know his name. You're going to know where he's at. You're going to know his impact on the field a hundred percent of the time when he's out there, like Manhurts is one of the most underrated and underappreciated signings of what the Broncos have done because he's also very good on special teams as well. So that, that one Manhurts, I'm, I'm super bullish on super bullish on him. Yeah. Um, real quick, last comment on that. Another reason why Fleming swing tackle is very valuable. Last year, he struggled a little bit more in run blocking mm-hmm. um, than he did pass protection and his pet. I mean, again, he was just, he was a good starter that everybody underrated. Uh, not trying to dog on him. I really love the signing. I love that bringing him back does help the offensive line, gives him at least one solid depth tackle option. I just think Manhurts being the starter, bring in that reliability as a blocker in the run game, which they're going to be so heavy in. That to me is more valuable than your swing tackle, despite being a valuable position. Well, um, and- Peter jumping in here really fast and good to see you again, Peter. Thank you for joining us. He says, good to see you both together on DVD after your holidays as well. But he's, he's a tackle. So Cam Fleming is a tackle. So obviously worth more. I, I, I don't agree with that in the term, in the, the, the con- conversation of Chris Manhurts versus Cameron Fleming, because Chris Manhurts is essentially an extra tackle. Like he's the guy that you can go out and go and trust to be, that lead guy at the point of attack on the edge in the running game. So uh, that, I mean, it, you're, you're splitting hairs here in this conversation. You really are um, run blocking tight end versus swing tackle, a guy that can play both sides. Uh, you're splitting hairs here, but I think Manhurst is a guy that's going to see more action. He's going to be a more reliable player and he's with good health. Hopefully Cam Fleming never sees the field this year. Manhurst is yeah. going to be on the field a hundred percent. Like I, Let's see, what, 60% of the time, Manhurst is going to be on the field. Fleming, if he sees yeah. 30% of the snaps, something went wrong. 
And just to be clear here, for me, it's not like Manhurts is way over here and Fleming's way over here right. on the valuable. They're like this. They're yep. they're pretty close together. Yep. Anyways, last position on the offense before we got to get out of here. Wide receiver improved or has it declined? Huh, I feel like you're baiting me with this comment, but I I I, I think it's a hundred percent, not even a hundred percent, a thousand percent improved. And a big reason as to why that is, and I know that we have KJ Hamler coming off the torn peck, but his legs are healthy. You've got Tim Patrick coming off of a torn ACL, so hopefully he will be healthy, and we'll see what his impact is in training camp. You bring in a Marvin Mims. You bring in Jerry Judy, who is like poised to have a breakout season, and hopefully you get Cortland Sutton back at the, the, the peak of his powers. There's a lot of talent in this room. I'm going to say it's improved if healthy, but I want to see it on the field first, if that makes sense. All right. Get your pitchforks ready. I'm going to take the cop-out answer here. It all depends on Russell Wilson. Oh, come on. It does. Like It it doesn't matter. How improved the the the, writer, the position is doesn't matter if your quarterback is reading very obvious man coverage, and he throws to the zone beater route, not the man beater side. It yep. doesn't matter if he's your quarterback is missing open receivers, if if he's panicking under phantom pressure. It doesn't matter how good your receivers are if your quarterback is doing that. Yeah, um, and I'm not going to take this time to crap on Russell Wilson. I do think he will be improved. Um, how much improved remains to be seen. But when you look at the position by themselves as well, it still is such a questionable group. Will Cortland Sutton be here for the full season? I'm not sure. What is Tim Patrick going to be when he comes back? Yeah, his no. legs are fresh, but sometimes that's not the best thing ever. Bill, Jerry, Judy finally break out. Something we were asking ourselves last year. Yeah, I mean, he had those couple good games to close out the season, but where's the consistency with him? Mm-hmm. Um, I have people who are questioning how much he loves to play the foot, play the game, especially after his interview with Brandon Marshall. Yep. And it's something that I've always felt going back to college. It's always been how much does he really care to play? Um, you just don't see it. You don't feel it. So well, not, not trying to dog on him for that either. So- Marvin Mims is a rookie. Like mm-hmm. there's so many questions with this receiver group and it all still just comes back to what are we going to get out of Russell Wilson? I think they have the potential to be significantly improved. Yeah. But they also have the potential to be significantly declined. They, they really do. And that's what, that's why I said what I said is like based on health and obviously going back to the quarterback position, because the wide receiver position is literally the most dependent position on the field on either side of the football, because it takes quality protection. So it, Go ahead. Running backs Go ahead. are the, running back. Running backs are the most dependent out of everything. I would I, let me let me explain. Good receivers. Really good receivers can still get open. Mm-hmm. Bad running or good running backs. You still have to have excellent blocking. It doesn't matter. Right. You still have to have the blocking up front. Right. Receivers can still get open. They can get open quickly and with the to deal with the pressure. It is the second most dependent position behind running backs for that reason. So I'm going to – I'll acknowledge your your argument here, and I'm going <laughs> to counter you just a little bit here because 
if nothing else, you have to have blocking up front and a quarterback that's willing to be able to throw you the football that makes receivers the most dependent position. I don't disagree with you. If, running you, back if and- the receiver can get open, they should be getting the ball. Yeah, but we watched that happen with KJ Hamler last season on that very specific play you just highlighted, where I know. he had a he had a man doesn't mean, on doesn't one matter. Side. So yes, it still does that. But the quarterback making the right read, mm-hmm. if as long as they get better, I'm not saying right. it's not a dependent position. Right. No, and, and I'm, it is I'm, it is a factor of because running backs, when you look at it, they also depend on the wide receivers blocking. They also depend on the tight ends blocking. They also depend on selling the play, selling fakes. They also depend on getting matchups aligned up correctly. They yeah. depend so much on the running scheme and the run concepts and the play designs to get you favorable, you know, numbers on one side of the field or other. Right. Wide receivers, they can still get open to mid, open early to take care of the, you know, bad protection. They can still make great catches whether the you know, look at Odell Beckham Jr.'s one catch, the one-handed that, for that touchdown. Oh, yeah. Terrible mm-hmm. freaking throw that he still bailed out the quarterback. Yep. Wide receivers, we talk about bailing out the quarterback a lot. That is a big reason why they are second to me. Anyways, go ahead. And and, and, and that's and, and all of those are fair points. My thing is, yeah. if you don't have an offensive line up front that can actually protect the quarterback from being able to step back in the pocket, find where he's supposed to go, the quarterback position, obviously the hardest position in all of sports. Let's just throw that out the window here. But if you have a quarterback that is absolutely terrible at understanding where to go with the football, delivering it on time and accurately, and then you have an offensive line that can't protect that quarterback, you have now a completely total disaster and the wide receivers are completely obsolete. It does not matter how open you can get. It does. It, it does, but it doesn't, though. Like We've still seen multiple receivers have big seasons with bad quarterbacks. Yeah, when you have DeAndre Hopkins, but you also have a, a guy like Adrian Peterson who ran by a terrible offensive line, ran for 2,000 yards coming off a torn ACL. Like the offensive, That offensive line actually wasn't terrible. That was actually a pretty good offensive it was, line. It was, it was and the, decent. And the it scheme was, was such a huge factor for him. Right. Because right. they did so much to get him open. Yeah. Anyway. And, it's we're running a, long it, on time. We're we're running long on time. You are absolutely correct here. We got a couple of things we got to to narrow down here. Uh, got a couple of super chats coming. Well, I guess uh, some stars donations. Obviously, Michael Ronquillo jumping back in again for what the third time tonight or something like that. Uh, obviously, saying great show tonight, Lance and Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham with a B with a B. Uh, got to make sure that we say that because apparently YouTube gets a little finicky, but thank you, Michael, for that. We definitely appreciate that, man. Um, we've got, uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here. Peter Middleton saying he's got some nice stars attached to this guy. So Phil, thank you again for joining us and throwing down some more support as well. We definitely appreciate that, man. Saying is Marquez Callaway going to be a plus or a minus? We just got done talking about the wide receiver room. Kind of. But what what do you envision Marquez Callaway and his role on this team? Quality special teams player, no less than the wide receiver three in a Sean Payton offense throughout the history of his career. So I think he's got a good shot to make it, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of competition for him. Yeah. And Peter oh. actually has a good question here. To, or Sorry, Keith does. Um, how many wide receivers from last year are released, traded, or cut this year? That, to me, is a huge question that, that needs to be answered before we even get to Callaway. 
So Callaway for me, he's in that 41 to 69% chance to make it because of how stiff the competition is. And these are the other four guys in his tier that I have. KJ Hamler, who played last year. Jalen Virgil, who played last year. Kendall Hinton, who's been a big part of the off or somewhat big part of the offense for the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. Those are all guys in it that are part of that same tier that are competing for a spot. Mm -hmm. I think that there are four guys, unless some, somebody comes in for Cortland Sutton, that are essential locks. You have Jerry, Judy, Tim Patrick, and Marvin Mims. And again, Sutton, depending on if somebody decides to trade for him. So where is Marquez Callaway's role? I don't think he's going to be the number three receiver. Maybe no. number four. Most likely number five. Mm -hmm. If Cortland Sutton isn't traded. Because I think you're going to be looking at Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton as number one, or combination of Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Jerry Judy as your one, two, three, Marvin Mims getting out there on the field, and then Callaway as a key special teams player, depth position guy. Yep. So it's very tough question. Um, I like Callaway. I like what he can bring to the offense this year, but I, I'm not sure how often he's going to get out there on the field without injuries happening. Well, and you also have to understand, like Kendall Hinton, who has been a big part of this team for the last couple of seasons, obviously started a game at quarterback. Like there's there's that, you know, kind of emergency quarterback situation. I don't – the practice squad rules and how they changed over the last couple of seasons, I don't remember how much eligibility he has, if any, left. He does. Um, you, oh, you, he does. You, have, you, have, you have those spots that you have for oh, doesn't right. matter. Yep, the, yeah. the veteran the veteran players. Um, but Brandon Johnson, who everyone was super high on last season, Jalen Virgil obviously had a 64-yard touchdown catch against the Tennessee Titans. Um, it, then there's the, the K.J. Hamler conversation. Like, where does he line up in the fold? This wide receiver competition is going to be incredible to kind of focus on. And when we decided our topic tonight, I was like, you know, let's 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 talk about some wide receivers, how everybody plays in. And we're like, well, let's 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 hold off. Let's do a, an overarching theme, you know, um, on the entire roster. Wide receiver is one of the most competitive positions on this roster right now. There is an absolute metric, you know what load of talent in this wide receiver room. And there are so many questions on who's going to actually make it because you don't know the future of Tim Patrick and what his injury lies. You don't know the history of KJ Hamler. You don't know the future of KJ Hamler with his injury history. You don't know if Cortland Sutton's going to be on this roster come the end of the trade deadline. What does Jerry Judy look like? All four of those guys are incredibly talented. You don't know anything about what they're going to be looking like moving through August this year. That's a fun conversation. We're going to have it at another time. I'm hoping at least here down the road, probably when we get closer to training camp or even when we get into training camp, I do want to break that down. But Eric, we are out of time for tonight. I do want to give a massive shout out to everybody who joined us tonight. Obviously, Phil McLaughlin throwing some stars. Uh, Keith Brugman. We've got, you know, uh, Michael Ronquillo. We've, we've got Troy Boer, uh, David McElrath. Uh, everybody who donated tonight, thank you so much. Your support is greatly appreciated. But, dude, before we get out of here, I got to ask you any last words, man. Yeah, actually, we're going back real quick to that Fleming comment, Peter came in with a good point here. Fleming played well at tackle last year and got a decent pay raise due to it. Yeah. He yeah. did. I mean, he got about almost twice as much money, not quite, um, or a little about, he got about a million more dollars. Like, he got an extra million this year for it. But part of the thing also that goes into that, despite how well he played last year, he was still available this late for the Broncos mm -hmm. to sign him. Um, it was still, it's still a deal that's for less than $3 million for the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, not trying to take away from Cam Fleming, but, Chris Manhurts is viewed as one one of the 
top five blocking tight ends in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and it still comes back to me is who's going to be on the field more. If injuries don't happen, Fleming should never take the field on offense. Manhurts is going to see a decent amount of time, as Lance said on it. Yeah. But sure. outside of that, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you all so much. Um, Todd Ossendorf, thank you guys. Thank you for joining us, even though it was late. Mike S, thank you for joining us and being part of the conversation. Um, quick reminder, this was only for the offense. We will be back next week, and we will do the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I'm sure Lance and I will have some arguments um, about next week, too. I mean, just as we do with him being wrong about wide receiver being the most hey. dependent position in the NFL. Hey. Um, hey. Easy. Killer. Anyways, uh, Phil McLaughlin comes in and scary thing is one wide receiver cut becomes a pro bowler. That is always a scary cut. Yeah. I mean, especially for me, it's like mm -hmm. there's always those guys that you really like that you thought showed out in the preseason that, oh, you can't cut them and then they go on and do well like somewhere else. Maybe not even pro bowl level, but it's always a scary thought. Mm -hmm. um, Jason O'Neill says, have a great night and solid work. The passing shows. Thanks, men, and have a great weekend. You have nice. a great weekend as well, and I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. I hope everybody had a wonderful Memorial weekend. Um, so thank you guys for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend. We will see you guys next week. Same time, same place, same Mile High Huddle Network. I hope you guys get the reference with that. Old Batman show. <laughs> Anyways, Lance, if you want to go ahead and take us out. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, I had one more question. I want just a oh. quick quick thing that i wanted to ask you cam fleming on the interior is is that an upgrade no. to, to, to play inside um no i he's not a guy that i would be um looking at on the interior but real quick another last word real quick um todd usner says shout out to my alaskan peeps yes definitely represent alaska alaska's a cool place to visit live here eh. It depends on where you live, I guess. But well, last thing, since I finally got confirmation about it. Guys, this is the year to go and make sure you guys get to the meet and greet October 22nd um, in the game against the Green Bay Packers. More details will come out as we emerge. And I'm pretty sure the majority of the Mile High Huddle crew is going to be there, including Nick for the first time. Yep. Um, so going to be great to meet Nick and everything like that. And maybe I'll stuff him in a trash can. I don't know yet. Okay. Um, but I, I didn't want to do this because I, I, I knew Nick had already got his, his plane tickets. I wanted to let him actually tell that, but uh, Carl. He, he already has. Him. So I, I checked with him. He, okay. He's already announced he's going to be there on the show. So Okay. So, um, yeah, Nick's going to be there, and it sounds like Carl's going to be there too, guys. So we'll have all four of the, the like the OGs. Obviously, you got uh, Chad and Zach doing their thing over on the Huddle Up show, and we don't care about that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you have you have the four OGs, the, the like – Okay. Me and Eric and 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 Carl and and Nick, it's gonna be great, man. I'm, I'm telling so if you're gonna talk about the four OGs, you're gonna be talking about the four people, the people who started MHH. Well, no, I'm talking. There's about only the two of us. There's I, only I, two of us left. It I, is Chad and I. We are the only two guys from the from when Mile High Huddle was created. We are the only two left. And then Zach came in, and then Nick came in, and then Carl came in, and then you are the baby of the group. Hey, um, easy, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about the podcast network, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gracious, you you go so literal all the damn time. I don't know. I don't understand. Anyways, guys, we got to get out of here. It is five fifteen. Uh, right. It is five fifteen. Well, it's seven fifteen for me. Whatever the hell time it is, doesn't matter. Guys, follow us on Twitter at Eric Trickle at Lance S underscore MHAs. Also, guys, at Mile High. Uh, 
at Mile High Huddle, the mother account where you guys get breaking news and analysis. That's going to wrap us up for tonight. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great weekend. And as always, go Broncos. Shout out to the Nuggets. Let's go Nuggets win that NBA Finals. Let's go. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.